folks, Nolene Hoffman. Hey, folks. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was the intro. <laughs> Oh. 
bags and bitching and moaning about the Ottawa man and how he needs some goddamn rain. Fuck, that was awesome. Nolene Hoffman, everybody. <laughs> Welcome to another episode of Misfits on Vinyl. My name is Spencer Stryker. I'm an actor, comedian, and one of your tits. My name is Aaron. Aaron is an actor and the other tit. Yeah. And yeah. today, like last week, we're a tri-tit on the podcast. Yeah, we I'm have... the third nipple. You're, <laughs> you're the third nipple. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> we have a, a very special guest, a, a country singer-songwriter from right here in Alberta from... Uh, Bow Island, uh, Nolene Hoffman, everyone. Um, uh, I met uh, I met you this summer at uh, Brett Cassidy's outdoor backyard party. That's right. Which was honestly one of the most fun things I've ever been to. <laughs> I I got to just sit in a pool and listen to really talented people sing, nice. and then I got to pass out when Amy Nelson was on stage and. Brett Cassidy went and gave me a blanket. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds lovely. Yeah, he's he's the type of man to make sure that you're you're cozy when you're sleeping on the ground. Um, so, uh, Nolene, first off, uh, I mean, this is the first time that we're actually sitting down and having a conversation that's not yeah. just uh, at a bar or a show somewhere. <laughs> so true. Yeah, I'm so excited. So how? Uh, so do you want to tell us just first, like, you're from Bow Island, but uh, where exactly in Alberta is that located? Bow Island is in between Medicine and Lethbridge on the number three highway, three hours south of Calgary. Hell yeah. Are today. yeah. Yeah. All right. So that's uh, that's like quite literally south central Alberta. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, an hour-ish from the Montana border. So we're, we're really far south. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So I, I had a, a similar geography when I grew up because I grew up in the Cypress Hills. So, you know, right close to oh, the yeah. right close to the uh, Montana border. Um, and you grew up on a ranch, right? I actually didn't. When I was a toddler, there was a ranch. And oh. I grew up most of my life in town. Really? Yeah, yeah, I did. But very, very small town. I was on farms all the time, farms and ranches all the time. And then got into ranching or working as a ranch hand in high school and then continued after high school. Yeah. So what, what made you want to go back into ranching if like you had been away from it for a few years in your upbringing? Yeah, um, I think that I just started to, you know, learn more about my family's history. And I also started to become really passionate about the grasslands and preservation of the grasslands and learned about how important cattle are to keeping our grassland sinks um, alive and well. And then, yeah, there's just a, a girl that was a mentor to me who took me under a wing and I just, I got really inspired wanting to learn, so. That's yeah. awesome. And and something that I think is interesting, I want to jump into this. It's kind of jumping ahead a bit, but would you say like, would you say that being a cowboy is kind of like your biggest muse in your music? Because I notice a lot of your music has to do with like being uh, being a ranch kid, being uh, you know in this uh, uh, rural uh, you know lifestyle. Is that kind of something that you 
consistently draw from when you're writing or is it like something that just it's super easy for you to talk about it because you know so much about it for sure I guess just my upbringing was I was surrounded by those kinds of people and those kinds of experiences all the time so it's really natural for me to talk about that kind of imagery in my music yeah I mean that's um, your identity right? yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah, and I sense. guess yeah not growing up on her I've kind of had to earn my boots a little bit and I'm far from far from that but yeah it's just uh where I grew up it comes naturally so. well like I'm completely out of my element in, in this conversation <laughs> uh, last time I rode a horse uh I fell <laughs> off the fucking thing so. <laughs> his name hey, was Fat Dan there ain't no cowboy if you haven't been thrown so no, there you go there you go I guess I'm earning my boots too so <laughs> If I, if I were gonna earn boots, I'd earn boots like yours. Holy shit! Yeah, those are Look cool at as those fuck. Fucking things. Yeah, yeah. I commented on them earlier. They're sweet. Thank you. Yeah, those are really cool. Uh, so, okay, one thing that I, I, I mean, we're talking about this. It's not a question that uh, was in the uh, document, but like throwing a curveball. Throwing a curveball. Yeah. Your fucking fashion is dope, by the way. Like oh, you, thank every you. time I see you, you're like wearing stuff that's like very western but like not in like a tacky way and i hate because like I, I mean but i think like part of that is probably because like you grew up in that environment you know like you or yeah. like you know you've lived in that environment you've worked in that environment and i don't know personally i get driven fucking crazy when it's stampede and i see people oh. walking around and i just go oh what you're wearing makes me angry like it actually physically makes me angry it's pretty easy to spot some you know all the power to them i think it's great to celebrate you know our western culture and cowboy <laughs> culture but it's it's really easy to spot somebody that um yeah, dudes uh, it hasn't grown up around a rodeo crowd. Yeah, I love them for it. Cutoffs. Yeah, you know what though? More I rocked some denim cutoffs before. <laughs> yeah. I I have no shame in that. I have a picture of uh, when I first moved into my fraternity. I had my I had my uh, I had a Davy Shields Junior T-shirt on, tucked into uh, Daisy Duke cutoffs. I had my my buckle on. I was wearing boots and uh, a cowboy hat, and I'm smoking a dart in front of the liquor depot in Brentwood. Well, when, I first, when I first met you, you used to dress like you were on Dallas. Like you wear a cowboy hat and a blazer. And you walk around. Like, I, like, I was always tempted to be like, "Who shot Jr.? Who shot Jr.?" I did, and I stole his fucking <laughs> outfit. Apparently, yeah, yeah. you just like dressed like you were like a 1982 cowboy. I mean, I kind of am a 1982 cowboy. Not really, not even. Well, I, I would, okay, for, okay, first off. You're a city slicker now, bud. I would disagree. I would disagree. The fact that I, okay, I was on Billy the Kid, and they, they threw me on a horse that was not a fucking film horse, and I know this, because it, it tried to buck me off multiple <laughs> times, and there's one take that got ruined because this horse started just fucking crow hopping in a circle, and I... <laughs> I stopped being an actor in that moment and I started being myself at 16 and I took the boots to this little prick and I went, you fucking cunt. And I'm like <laughs> yanking on the reins, trying to just get him to stop. And uh, then they called cut and they're like, Hey, can you not do that in the next take? I'm like, can you fucking not? Like I, I did more to break your horse than you fucking obviously have. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they can't, you know, I can't put that on FX or nothing. No, MGM Plus. No, uh, okay, MGM so nice. I have a streaming service I've never heard of. Yeah, exactly. No one has. That's why it's. Uh, I'm not going to talk about Billy the Kid. Okay. Yeah, okay, fair, fair, fair <laughs> uh, okay, so I do have a list of questions here, uh, uh, yeah. and I, uh, the only reason I, I I bring this up is because I'm always interested to see like what someone's path was to get into the arts in whatever way they're going. So, 
like what was it that made you want to become a singer songwriter and was it something that you always had the dream of doing yeah i guess deep you know deep deep down i always knew that i i wasn't on a a normal career path like i i always i don't know if it was always a singer songwriter it i i mean yeah i always i always did i always knew um but i denied it for a long time mm-hmm. in myself um just because yeah growing growing up in a small town i didn't have any example of somebody that had had done it um so it just wasn't you know wasn't something i really really chased until um i started i jumped in with both feet this january into my professional career but sorry i think i lost lost track of the no, that's that that, um, that that does uh, answer it a bit. But I, I guess like because uh, I had a similar thing where like I wanted to be in the performing arts and I wanted yeah, to do that. But you never see it in a small town, you know, and, and yeah. it is it is difficult to like kind of make that jump and, and to go. This is attainable. Yeah, exactly. it's, it's an interesting thing, too. I was listening to um, like a really big fan of the Sopranos TV show. So I was listening to this, watching this video about James Gandolfini. And he was doing an interview and he was talking about how. He always knew he wanted to be an actor. He just, there was a point in time where he wasn't ready to admit it to himself. Yeah, he was making exactly. all these moves and he moved to New York and he was like, yeah, like when I think back on it, I moved to New York. I worked as a nightclub bouncer and working the nightclub scene, but I always knew I moved there to be an actor. I just yeah. wasn't ready to take that dive yet. And I think a lot of people that are in the arts experience that as well. Mm-hmm. Right? You, you, you know, you're making all these moves. You have the, you have the dream, but you're not ready to, you know, jump in and believe in yourself fully yeah. to do it. And that's a big part of it too. I think that's the most courageous part about being an artist is actually believing in yourself, getting the confidence to believe yeah. I can do it and I can do it professionally and yeah. I can do it at a level where I'm proud of what I'm doing. And that takes time and it, you know, it takes a lot of self growth too to do it. But yeah, I mean, it's super commendable oh. when you're doing it. So it's great. Well, and, and, and to go back to that, so, like, you didn't have any examples of, like, people that were doing it, but how long have you been playing for? I guess I grew up taking music lessons growing up and was in a house, household that loved music. So uh, how long have I been playing? I guess I started taking my guitar playing a little bit more seriously in, in high school. I've been writing songs since I was 13. Oh, wow. Eight, maybe. But, yeah, that's – and then – took it started taking it seriously this january what sort of music were you listening to growing up like what sort growing of stuff up, was playing in the house playing in the lots car? of classic country music yep. lots of elvis nice. johnny cash patsy cline mm. um credence clearwater revival yeah, yeah. Nice. Mm-hmm. i got in shit for saying their full name why didn't you give Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're referred to as ccr yeah um i like that story with john fogarty that when he went solo right and he got sued by the record label that owned all the CCR copies mm-hmm. for sounding too much like CCR. Whatever center field or whatever. <laughs> That's oh, funny. Yeah. I also grew up listening to Elvis and Johnny Cash. Um, I'm from Newfoundland originally, so oh. listening to we listened to a lot of that, and then we listened to a lot of like traditional Newfoundland music. But it's I'm always curious what people listen to yeah. when they were growing up. Yeah. So, a lot of crossover. I'm sure you listen to a lot of similar stuff too. Yeah, it was it was a weird hodgepodge of music growing up because like <laughs> my mom was like, like I don't know, growing up in the '90s, it was different because like a lot of the stuff that you heard on country music radio in the '90s was, I would say, 
the last generation of like popular country music yeah. that was like good like you had like alan jackson jody messina you, had, you know george Strait. you had like these absolute powerhouses yeah. So that was that was a big part of it, and then like my grandpa listened to Willie Nelson mm-hmm. and and Johnny Cash and and you know Waylon Jennings. Waylon Jennings is probably yeah, my my all time favorite. favorite. And then uh, and then like I don't know, my dad was more of like a rock guy. So so I kind of got like a, a you know a, a deep cut of of a lot of different genres, but it wasn't uh, it, it it's hard to to nail it down. I kind of started to find my own way in high school with music because I was like, oh, there's there's better shit than what my parents were listening to. There's this funny story about my grandfather. My they worked up north in Port Mac. My dad and my grandfather. And my grandfather said that there's this Johnny Cash CD that was stuck in the CD player. So they, every day they were listening to Johnny Cash driving back. <laughs> my grandpa goes home one time earlier than my dad. My dad pressed the eject button. The CD came right out. <laughs> My grandma didn't want to listen to anything else. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> He's like, "Fuck you guys! I want to listen to this shit." <laughs> Johnny Cash, the same twelve songs. Yeah. That's so awesome. funny. Mm-hmm. So I have a question about about songwriting. Like you said, you've been doing it since you were thirteen. But like, what is uh, what's kind of the impetus behind writing a song? Like, is it and what's your process like? Do you sit down and focus on like? I'm going to write a song today or is it kind of, it comes in spurts. Like you might get like a lyric or, or a chord or something. Yeah. It's lots of bolts of lightning for me. Like I'm always, I'm always writing lyrics in my phone throughout the day or like walking down the street, like a freak and putting like, <laughs> putting like little um, things that I hear. Um, but yeah, when I, when I write, it's pretty chaotic. My notebooks are, when I sit down to write a song, it's not, you know, it's not line for line. It's like, a modge podge of <laughs> lines and it, it's like solving a puzzle for me and yeah i've heard i've heard it described too like i think it was mick jagger talking about it how it's not like the song's coming out of him it's like the song's coming Channel through him yeah, yeah so i feel I, that yeah i feel like mm-hmm. that's a common theme with a lot of songwriters mm-hmm. is that it doesn't feel like it's actually coming out of them it's just coming through them and whatever they yeah. can get out and that when it hits them they get it down to paper get it on get it on the guitar then they start to starts to come yeah. a full-fledged idea really lots of times like i do you know, I do think hard about my songs and stuff, but lots of my best songs, I feel like, were just kind of, they're just channeled through me. And when I, after I wrote a song and it's all together and then I look back and think of it, I'm like, who wrote this song? Like, it's just <laughs> like, I, yeah, it's definitely, do you, I relate to Where do you think that. it's coming from? I guess that's the big question, right? That's I don't a, know. Yeah, that's what they said too. They said, I don't Source know where it's coming energy, from. I, yeah. I don't know. <laughs> Just tapped in, I guess. Yeah, I just run that. Plugged into the universe. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no big deal. I heard them talking about that about their new album, and I thought it was super interesting. I've heard it described that way before too. And they asked a similar question, like, "Where do you think that comes from?" And they were like, "Fuck if I know." Yeah, Yeah. it's definitely can be a a spiritual experience for me. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Well, and I feel like I feel like it's it's interesting too because it it like what you said about constantly writing lyrics. Do you find you'll write lyrics and then not have any idea where they're going, and then you start writing a song and you're like, oh shit, I can throw fifty of these in this. Yeah, like there's there's some lines or little hooks and stuff that I've I've just had sitting in my brain for two years or something that it's just and then finally it, like sometimes the whole song doesn't get written, but eventually like there's a reason that that little line came about there's always sometimes the you know the story or your experience hasn't fully happened yet but yeah definitely have a lot of random shit all over my phone yeah 
Well, something uh, uh, to kind of go off of that, like, because I, I know, uh, you know, like, we've obviously been like, we're a music history podcast We're we're we've got our we've got our ear to the sidewalk, yeah, we've got our do. finger on the pulse of what's oh, happening yeah. in the music industry, you know. <laughs> Uh, but one one thing that I was going to mention is that I, I notice a lot of emerging singer songwriters don't necessarily write from the genuine perspective. Excuse me, that was so bad. Uh, yeah, we're on Amazon. <laughs> we're on Amazon. Uh, uh, so, um, but a lot of like early in their career, singer songwriters don't necessarily write from a genuine place, or it takes them a long time to find their voice. So, what do you think it it has been for you to, I guess discover your own voice and and i'm not saying like voice vocally but like your songwriting voice like what was it like kind of discovering that and do you do you think that you're uh like what is it that's helped you get to that point a lot quicker yeah that's a that's a great question i think yeah there's a lot of i think a lot of emerging artists um that are trying to make an identity for themselves like there's a lot of pressure i feel like people um, don't think that their truth is commercially viable, kind of. Mm-hmm. And so, there's you'll people will you know tell you how you're supposed to build your brand or like what the kind of secret formula. I I don't believe that there's a a formula or you know yeah like there's no there's no recipe. But um, I think for me, writing is how I process the things that I experience in my life and and my emotions. So. I think that just because it's that um, healing thing for me that it just has always come from a place of authenticity and and I'm not willing to compromise myself also mm-hmm. as an artist just because it's it's so personal and, and sacred to me I you know I'm not I'm not willing to compromise it so I think that was um, what helped me to stand you know stand strong and do what I do for the and you know, try and come out as just Nolene. Yeah. yeah. That's a great answer. No, that's a really good answer. And and what I really appreciate about that is like, that sounds um, like, obviously it's not a direct comparison and I hate comparing everything to comedy, but yeah, well, you're a comedian. You I'm a comedian. I kind of have to, yeah. like yeah. the, the one thing that I, I noticed is like for myself, there's a lot of stuff that I write down where I like, I am just working through whatever I've just went through or whatever yeah. thought I have and it might not hit the stage, but even making light of it just for myself makes me feel like I'm, I'm improving on that. The other thing that I wanted to bring up with it is I think that it's interesting that you mentioned like not wanting to compromise on who you are, because Mm. one thing that makes a, uh, what separates a good artist from a great artist is not compromising on who you are. And especially when it comes to being a songwriter or being a comedian, like where you're having to, right from your own experience and 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 present that to an audience an audience can smell if you're being disingenuous they they can smell it right away and so you see it so often where you'll see somebody who's technically good at something but they don't have that thing that shines through and it's 90 percent of the time the authenticity yeah yeah i think uh yeah i think it's the most powerful i think the truer you can be the more you know the more opportunities and the more true opportunities and you know for me it's not it's not about how big of an audience or or anything like that it's i, I want the right audience to resonate and, mm-hmm. and the yeah. one thing too is worth noting is like your truth more than likely is a truth of somebody else as well yeah and somebody's yeah. gonna find 
you being genuine in your music and genuine what you're singing about and connect with it just based off of that mm-hmm. related yeah. to their own lives like like the you know we're all different people all living different things but we all have the same experiences yeah. just written slightly differently yeah, right? yeah. so yeah. you know i could find something to listen to that you know in your music i could find something to relate to even mm-hmm. though we have completely different backgrounds right so yeah absolutely it's, uh, as long as you're being truthful and honest I think you can reach that audience and the right yeah. audience I think is the, the word too. I got yeah. that yeah. I keyed in on that when you said that. That's a super interesting thing to say. Like the right audience. I'm gonna find my right audience. I'm not gonna yeah. look for the audience. The right audience is gonna find me. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's super fascinating. No, it's 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 true though, because yeah. like fucking there's audiences that I really can't do comedy for. Same as <laughs> exact, same, exact same thing as being a comedian. It took you yeah. time to find not only find your own voice but to find your audience for that voice too, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Um, and now I'm pretty comfortable with my audience. My audience gets me, and I'm like, that's good. I'm glad. <laughs> tell your friends. Your friends are cool. Don't tell your enemies. Your yeah. enemies won't like <laughs> me. I know it. Uh, okay, so something that I want to ask, is a, a, it's kind of a sidebar, but like, so, you know, you mentioned some of your musical influences, but like, do you have musical influences outside of country? And like, what would yeah. be some of like the really, like the ones that have like had the biggest impact on you as a, as a performer and as a songwriter? Yeah. Oh, that's a, that's a great question. The list is so, the list is so long. Um, a huge part of my musical upbringing was in Bow Island. There's this venue called the Blues at the Bow Theater. And my best friend's dad was the president of the club. And the deal was if we would mop the dance floor during soundcheck, we could listen to, we could listen to the soundchecks. It was like 18 plus venue. So until we were looked old enough to sneak yeah. into the show, <laughs> we would do that. And so listening to those, um, Blues music really speaks to me just because I was so young and getting clubs is the coolest thing to meet all these blues cats from all over the world. But yeah, I love big fan of Elvis Um, and lots of lots of classic rock music. Big fan of classic rock, Southern rock. Yeah, I draw I draw I listen to all sorts. When I was in high school, I listened to tons of indie sad boy pop. (laughs) pop Yeah, yeah, definitely like. I, a good song is a good song. I listen to all sorts of music. Well, I think that's a good point too. Like a good song is a good song. Yeah. I hate when people draw the line in the sand when they're like, <laughs> I only listen to this genre. I'm like, you're really limiting your own experience. Like, I yeah. don't know why you would be so uptight about other, other. Well, that's one thing that's been great about this podcast just for like us. Like, I mean, we're not musicians, music fans. So the, be introduced to different albums and listen to stuff that we wouldn't have turned right turn ourselves on to yeah like, multiple yeah. different occasions spencer's we've done an album spencer's recommended i've done an album you know we've yeah. done an album i've recommended for spencer and it's just like opened my music listening experience like so much more right our, yeah. our biggest crossover is 80s pop 80s we're pop. we're big old 80s pop boys yeah 80s pop. Yeah. and then and then i i, I don't know i i kind of i kind of throw in the uh the 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 punk and metal and country and you throw in the the hip-hop um, and and well i think my my music like what I'm into is so weird because like I'll listen to like Travis Scott, but then I'll also listen to like Towns Van Zandt. Yes, it's so strange. If I actually shuffled my music and didn't go to a specific playlist, it would be such That's a so strange. Really oh yeah, I have to make specific playlists because my Spotify. I have I think like three thousand liked songs now, yeah. and it, I I realized that I can't just like if I go to the gym, I can't just hit shuffle because it'll be like all of a sudden I'll get fucking Anne Murray, and I'm like, well I can't lift to this. Well, it's yeah. like if I go on my recently played or like my repeat or whatever, it'll be like. 
ice spice and like, <laughs> it's just like all over the place. The more I see you, it's a real, it's a real space. It definitely opened my doors personally. So yeah. Okay, so getting getting back to uh, getting back to you for a second here, because we we I, I really want to ask about this. Uh, you're a part currently of the National Music Center's. Uh, it's called uh, AE West through Canada's Music Incubator. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it's happening at Studio Bell National Music Center. Okay, yeah. so how did that all come about? Yeah, it was a program. Actually, when I first moved back from my ranch job in Manitoba, I started around November last year. It's kind of a cool full circle moment. I started going to open mics and jams all over Alberta. And one of the jams that, or open mics I ended up at was at Ironwood here in Calgary. And it was last year's participants in AE West that were, they had happened to be there playing around for the night so I met them and they told me about the program and it sounded awesome and so I kind of you know I'm gonna, I'm gonna do that program and it felt in years away that I would get accepted into it but I just tabbed it and applied so that's how that came about fuck yeah, yeah. and and what exactly is the program because I, I like to mm-hmm. to to those of us that aren't uh, in the know of the of of what that is or like i guess we should explain national music center is also a, a place in calgary that mm-hmm. has yeah. basically the hall of fame of music and and uh, canadian music history yes. in general yeah. um but uh could you explain the program a little bit yeah really i'm honored to be a part of it and get to spend so much time at studio bell it's a professional development program they have mentors that are you know active members mostly of the music industry in canada and it's yeah it's all ins and outs of music industry and all the business side of it and then there's those creative days like tomorrow we have a photo shoot video shoot like co-writes it's kind of like a business week creative week business week creative week but it's been so great i would really recommend it to any um emerging artists is it it calgary only or is it it's um western canada for this one but they have one based in toronto as well and is it is it genre specific or is it any it's any any and all wow genres yeah it's really interesting group of musicians we have yeah so yeah yeah in the industry also doing other things as well right so yeah that's a cool cool well and i imagine too like it's it's got to be nice because like so much of like uh you know so many of the gigs that you do are a lot of times with the same people and i'm Mm -hmm. I'm talking about this as like any emerging artist like a lot of the time you're you're around the same people and and it's it's hard to get i guess a different perspective and and just being around those people i imagine is like oh shit the way that you do this is actually something i can apply to my own craft yeah yeah it's been really interesting learning about uh different genres experiences and how they gig and yeah it's really really cool i gotta say like i think i think country music is probably the closest to uh uh, uh comedy in terms of how you gig because a lot of the times you gig, hard. you gig hard, you go fucking all the time. You're doing shows all the yeah. time. You're a lot of the times the people don't want you there that you're singing in <laughs> yeah. front of or performing in front of. And, and a lot of times you, you got to just uh, uh, do the gig, get the money and go. Yeah. All right. Good night. Get your money and run. <laughs> yeah. um, OK, so uh, speaking of gigging, like you've been uh, you said that you've been taking it like seriously since January of last year. But I creeped through your uh, Instagram and saw some dates from like 2022. So you've obviously been yeah. doing a, like you've been gigging a little bit for the past couple of years and like really took it seriously this year. Right. Well, I did a few things yeah when i was in high school like a few 
singer-songwriter nights and different things like that. But I was mostly working when I graduated high school. It was COVID. like I, half my high school experience was COVID, just no shows going on. Mm. And then when I graduated, it was the same thing. So I pretty much just worked for two years. Didn't I played maybe one or two shows, you know, like a couple, a couple little gigs, but yeah. it was nothing. I wasn't trying to like grind it out and make really make a name or anything. How's that? How's that process been now doing that for almost a year now? How's yeah. that been? How was the first like couple months doing it? Like how was the oh, adjustment? Oh man, it was, man. It's been it's been the high the highest highs and and the lowest lows mm. for sure. But um, the most rewarding experience. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm doing what I love. I'm just going to change it. Yeah. Well, and I I think it's interesting too because like uh you know having that time between high school and where you're at now, like you worked on a ranch in Manitoba. You've mm. you've uh, traveled around a bunch. You've had, I think, a, a more rounded experience than a lot of musicians that get out of high school and just fucking go into it do because you didn't have that option, right? So do you think that that's like, like that's got to have helped you out in terms yeah. of like just growing as a person, which Definitely. is applicable to your artistry? Yeah. Definitely. That that couple of years that I worked was huge. Like, I don't think that I would have had the confidence to jump into a music career and, and kind of... <laughs> put all my cards on the table there's no way especially i worked in a bar too my small town bar Fuck. which was has helped me a lot <laughs> <laughs> let me it guess that's me. The, that inspired um, some of the song that we just heard <laughs> yeah one of the best pieces of advice i got from my boss there when i first started working there all the regulars would were giving me a little bit of a hard time and she was like jolene sometimes sometimes you gotta drop the rhinestone cowgirl and be a rhinestone bitch. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I think about that all the time. <laughs> when I get into situations uh, in the dive, so. Well, yeah. and it's it's funny because, like, yeah, I, I think that, like, that sort of stuff, though, it, it helps you when you end up going and jumping both feet into the industry, you know, because yeah. it's, excuse me, so unbelievably cutthroat. And, and it's, it's, difficult uh, especially when you're starting out to to like really transition and make it your full-time thing so having those experiences though has got to help because you're like you I, I feel like when you i don't know i worked in a lot of ranches when i graduated high school too and like the the biggest thing that i noticed was nothing's fucking personal and yeah. you can get yelled at well, and then and, and called everything and <laughs> i fucking i i i wrecked a motor i fucking a, a semi engine too it wasn't even just like a motor cost fourteen thousand dollars you want to learn how to drive my car yeah, yeah. no but here's the thing here. this guy was an idiot he parked in a flat field and put the parking brake on and he was just like yeah just it's good to go and so i just fucking went up and got into started driving and just banged the fuck out of the motor and i was like what smells so bad oh. something's burning yeah he still doesn't have his license so i do now you have your learners yeah that's that well okay but i had my full license in saskatchewan and then i had to give it back because apparently i didn't have my learners and then i found out recently i had my learners the whole fucking time so i don't know where the glitch went in the system you'll so get, you'll get there <laughs> We'll take, yeah. we'll, take, we'll take some driving lessons here soon. So. I'm very upset about yeah. it. I drove all through high school when I was rodeoing, okay? Yeah. Like, I didn't have a problem with driving at all. Um, 
Okay, we're moving on. <laughs> I got fired <laughs> up there. So small, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I uh, okay, so, uh, you know, I just saw you uh, at the beginning of the month at the Ironwood, and yeah. you had a full band that night. And I was wondering, do you have a permanent band now, or are you still looking for a, a band? I'm playing pretty... I have, I have a roster of guys that are awesome that I love to play with. I'm playing pretty consistently with the same people. Nice. But, you know, I have subs, so, yeah, but... Yeah, do you it, find it depends. It... Like it just depends where we're where we're going, and lots of the players I play with are really busy too with with other projects. So it just depends. I just yeah. Do you find it? Do you find it kind of hard because of the fact that so many people are are playing in other groups, or is it is it uh, is it easy to kind of just like substitute players? It's definitely. I've become more accustomed to it. Um, lots of the country guys or even just players in the city like they're they get um rotated through with everybody um i used to get really really stressed out about it when i first started playing because i didn't you know when i first started hiring bands and now i've come to trust myself more on stage too but when i first like had my first few band shows and there was like maybe we had one rehearsal maybe but usually it was totally under most of the time we play it's under under hers so yeah, it's like yeah. you know you never know it's just like okay boys like, how's, <laughs> how's this gonna go? i would love to have her first lineup soon <laughs> but no they're great some yeah. of it's like just worrying about what you're doing right yeah it's just riding it like it's fucking yeah you just, do what you can you just and, go yeah. Yeah. yeah and i guess the other thing too is like having confidence in the musicians yeah. that they can adjust to whatever yeah. you're doing in the moment totally. you know and they're so so great such great support and um I had a thought and just escaped my head, but, but yeah, it's just not taking things too seriously too. It's like, it's live music. Stuff's gonna, stuff's gonna happen. And if it happens, you just, just, you just keep going. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's, that's one of the beauties of, uh, you know, playing live is like, it kind of, you know, people are coming to hear it live. I mean, for yeah. the most part, there's some people that are like, "I want to hear it like the album," and yeah, those. Hear it like the record. I why doesn't it sound the same? It's like I don't know because they had eight layers on that, but like, <laughs> but uh, but for the most part, people go to experience something live because it's live, and because mm-hmm. there's that interesting element of like things can go wrong. You know, it's yeah. why theater has lived on for thousands of years. Well, that's what I thought of too. It's like when I think of like film versus theater. Like film, there's a perfection aspect to it where theater, it's different every night. There's mm-hmm. that doing it live. I'm sure there's a crossover with being a musician too. Doing it live, the energy of the crowd, the how you felt that day, you know, all that sort of stuff yeah. goes into it, and it makes yeah, it feel so like a so. different experience every single night, right? Well, and I imagine like as as the like biggest professional actor in the room, like you yeah. could probably tell us more about that. Well, I, I mean. I, I've been retired for you know. He he was uh he was on HBO's uh John Snow sequel. Wow. Yeah. Yes, John Snow. Cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, I uh, I would never really acted professionally. Spencer likes to tell everybody I'm an actor. Uh, I did I did some stuff back in back in the day, but I I I think that you're still an actor. Thank you. I think that you still have that spark of a thespian inside I mean, you. I definitely not. <laughs> I sold myself out for a paycheck. Yeah. 
Um, okay, so uh, uh, now I have a really random question because one of the things yeah. that uh, uh, you have been cultivating an audience for online has been going down south and recording with like the Powell River uh, sessions, right? Yeah. So how did that all come about? Like, how did you get in touch with those guys? And like, what the hell? Like, how how did you get into that music scene down there? First of all. Oh well, man, this is kind of a crazy story. I. I... So I sent a song in to a contest called, um, it was through Master Musicians Festival, which is a contest in a town called Somerset, Kentucky, down in Kentucky. (laughs) (laughs) Arkansas! (laughs) (laughs) So I sent it in and just kind of, you know, didn't think anything too much of it. And then ended up getting emails like, oh, you're in the top five, be at the Tipsy Toad on like two Thursdays from when I got the email. And I was kind of at a spot like I anyways, I made the decision. I was like, fuck it. I'm I'm packing up and I'm going down to Kentucky, but I'm not I wasn't old enough to rent uh, a car down there. So I couldn't fly. So I drove down to Kentucky and I didn't really I had three plans and it was uh, do this contest, go to Nash, just visit Nashville and go to another festival called the Railbird Festival. I ended up staying down there. I was only supposed to be down there for 10 days or two weeks, and I was down there for a, a, almost a month. Damn. Um, but, yeah, I didn't have – it was crazy because the weeks leading up to that trip, so much other shit was going on in my normal life, so I had, like, zero plan. I just drove, <laughs> I just drove <laughs> down there, and I was pan- – like, it was – yeah, I was – so I just emailed or DM'd Power. I was just trying to figure out, like, okay – scope out the area i already love so much music coming out of kentucky and tennessee i always wanted to go down there so i just took this contest as my excuse to finally make the trip but i just tried to reach out to as many people as i could um beforehand try and stick my foot in the door and then yeah some of them some of them got back to me and uh that's how i i it was a wonderful trip i met so many people well honestly though like that's that's another thing that i think helps separate you from a lot of people that are emerging at this time right now is you're not afraid to reach out and ask for something like i think that a lot of people are afraid to reach out and just be like hey what you know is there anything i can do and i think that like as somebody whose entire career has been fucking made up of me just asking people and (laughs) cold calling uh i i don't really understand why people are afraid of that because that's something that you have to be willing to do if you're an artist like yeah and honestly i don't know if it gets easier it has it's oh god no yeah it it, doesn't get easier it's that fear Um, of rejection yeah it's just yeah you just yeah you have to you just you have to do it you gotta gotta yeah yeah you gotta kick the doors down Mm -hmm. in my experience like, well, and because nobody's gonna, gonna show up, like no one's. Yeah, yeah. no one's giving you the key. No one's giving yeah. you the key. You gotta kick yeah. that yeah. motherfucker in. You know. Yeah. Well, that's like something I brought up. I've always admired about Spencer. Is like Spencer's always had the ability just to put himself out there, ask people for, mm-hmm. you know, ask people to let him do this, ask people to let him do that, right? So yeah. I, uh, I respect that quality awesome. you two do. Oh shit! Uh, uh, yeah. When I sing, people don't nearly give as much of a fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, Um. Okay. So one question then is like, uh, between the Powell River sessions in like Kentucky and like also being an artist here in Alberta, like, what do you think are like the 
differences between the scenes, like the music oh. scenes. Yeah, well, first of all, just the states has so many with it being so much more populated. Um, that's that's a whole another can of worms. But I think Kentucky and Tennessee country music, especially and this rootsy music, is so much a part of the culture. So mm-hmm. people, I find, I think that considering our population, we have a good scene going on here. But down there, it's like ramped up ten times because the the local people it's like such a part of everybody's uh culture yeah so people are get so excited about their local artists and everybody you talk to can play and like rip a bluegrass g-run like everybody everybody (laughs) plays and loves music and enjoys it so which is not different than here or anywhere Mm -hmm. in the world but i think it's just so much um more rooted in everybody's um history down there well, and I think that, uh, you know, we've talked about this before on the podcast that certain areas have like a geographical sound, right? Yeah. And you can notice like you hear someone from uh, Kentucky, it's going to sound like someone from Kentucky in, a, in yeah. a certain way. No matter what the genre of music is that they're playing, you can hear those hints of like that Kentuckyism that's added into <laughs> yeah. it, right? And I feel like in Calgary, we have a big thing that uh, popped off in the, in the like, early 2010s when like x929 was at its peak and you know you had the arkells and all of these bands like that uh you saw a big indie alt rock scene pop yeah, up here yeah. and it really exploded to where you've got some amazing bands from here in calgary that have i would say distinguished a calgary sound and you can hear that calgary sound <laughs> if you're listening to certain bands you go oh yeah that's a calgary artist uh, but what's different is that like our scene is now in a weird transition period, I would say in, in not just Calgary, but probably Alberta, where we are going from that indie alt sound to people are, people are putting on cowboy boots is flat out what it is. Totally, like, yeah. yeah, like it's, it's, it's going from this indie alt rocker to like, uh, uh, I want to be a, a, a fucking cowboy sweetheart. <laughs> yeah, cowboy sweetheart country singer. No, it's funny. I shouldn't really even speak on it at all. Cause I've only been around this scene for you know less less than a year but most of the musicians that i play with and have become friends with are ex punk rockers we've talked about that too what's with uh, all the punk rockers becoming country singers and yeah country artists? i wouldn't when, when uh i asked the uh i, I asked uh, nick shoulders band mates about that on uh, uh on the podcast and they were like they're like, yeah, it's, I think, just, like, the trend right now. Like, yeah. you know, it's just a wave. It's 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 becoming the popular thing again, which I, I dig it because I dig yeah. both of those styles of fucking music. Uh, I think they share a lot of the same same messaging. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I think it's, there's a lot of crossover. It's a lot there. of group bonding yeah. over trauma, I think, is yeah. what it is. Like, <laughs> it's a lot of millennials and Zoomers that were damaged. Well, if you think about, like, what we talked about, we were, like, big out rock country fans. There's that same sort of energy that came out of punk music too, right? Fuck yeah. man. You know, I'm an individual. I care about, you know, the things I care about. Fuck you for trying to tell me what to do. Yeah. That same sort of energy. There's a crossover there. And also, I would say that, uh, uh, Nolene, yourself, you fit into the OCEU, as we have dubbed it. Yeah. The uh, Outlaw Country Extended Universe. Yes. Because, uh, <laughs> like, here's the I'm thing. I, I, I don't know how you feel about this. This is actually an interesting question to bring up with you because uh, you're in this world, but, like, 
I personally feel like Outlaw Country died in the in the 70s, and I feel like we do not have Outlaw Country anymore. We have music that is inspired by Outlaw Country and can be influenced by it. But like, I would not personally call Sturgill Simpson an Outlaw Country artist. I would say that he was influenced by it, and his style is different. Oh, that's so hard. I have to think about how I feel about that hot take. This has been a yeah. debate we've had a couple. I don't know. Times. Yeah, yeah. I I would it. argue to say that Stu. If anybody is like doing outlaw country, yeah, like what consists like nowadays? But, what is but it's hard. It's you know I think it's hard. It's hard to say because I outlaw country from the sixties, fifties, sixties, seventies. Like um, not, but it's a uh, it's an era. Like it's so mm-hmm. defined by an, an era and a vibe and everything that was going on then. So it's it's hard to say what outlaw country is now. So, I think there's no, there's never going to be a recreation of true outlaw country of like the highwaymen. And, yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. You know. So but. that's an interesting point you brought up. That's what we ended up coming so sort of a similar conclusion is like was outlaw country like an era in time? Mm-hmm. Like was that genre like that's that subgenre of country music? Is that an era specific sort of yeah. style of country music? Right? Because that's that's what we ended up talking about, and that's kind of one of the big points we brought up was that exact same thing. Yeah. It's like mm-hmm. was that just a blimp in time yeah. where that that music, anything coming out of that time was, you know, yeah. specific to that genre. But it's... now, now sorry. no, but like now it's tough to say, like, what is considered? We had our old producer was bringing up all sorts of new artists. Like, would you consider them? Would you consider, you know, him or her? Would you consider them all to be all like, I don't know. Yeah, well, I and like, we... and I think like, sorry, I didn't mean to cut you no. off, but I just, I wanted to add this point too. Like Sturgill Simpson's probably a bad uh, uh, gauge because he is probably the most influenced well, by he, outlaw country. Originally the debate the started meta- with Tyler Childress. So. Oh. Yeah. And, and my, my personal thought is that like uh, someone like Sierra Farrell or Charlie Crockett, they're they're not outlaw country, but they are definitely influenced by outlaw country artists right. and style, you know. And and them, I could make that argument for a lot better than I could with mm-hmm. uh, fucking Tyler Childers or Sturgill Simpson. I'm gonna back down yeah. from that argument now. I'd say like his meta modern sounds of country music yeah. album. Yeah, I think it's an outlaw country album. Yeah, but I guess it just depends what's your definition of outlaw country. Like, is outlaw country a sound, or is it is outlaw country? just that era that Waylon Jennings era of music like if it yeah I don't know that's that's hard I'm gonna think more about that how what I think so that's why we created the extended universe yeah, yeah the extended so universe that's we put, great we yeah. categorize people in that yeah. so we don't have to talk about it all the time yeah so now we're gonna sell t-shirts that say the outlaw country extended yes, universe I'd buy one. <laughs> I would so buy one yeah. yeah like we were talking like Orville Peck we were talking all sorts of artists like what is considered nowadays yeah um, and it's weird because, like, I yeah, I don't know. There's, there's, there is a, there is a very, I again, there's a distinct sound that I would, I would probably classify into the EU part of it. Yeah, you know? well, there's a close yeah. too with like a singer songwriter, like a John Moreland, to like, you know, that's a whole other. We could talk about this. For oh, days. I we know. We could talk about this for I... days. Jason Isabel. No, I'm kidding. Isabel. Yeah. Yeah, that's what I said. You said Isabel. No, I said Isabel. <laughs> Back me up on this. Isabel. Isabel. Well, you know what? <laughs> Fuck you guys. Uh, uh, okay. Uh, no, it's okay. I need to get 
made fun of every episode. <laughs> if it doesn't, every episode, if we don't make fun of you, it's not a good episode. It's not a good episode. There's one episode where I just got shit on for like 30 minutes mm. by you and a guest, and I was like, "Fuck it." <laughs> well, here's our clips, I guess. Yeah, we were, I never met the guest before. We didn't bond at all. Yeah, I'm that friend. Uh, okay, so uh, <laughs> you're champ, man. <laughs> So I want to I want to get back to uh, uh, something recently that happened with you. You shared uh, a, a clip of your song "Purple Gas," and it blew the fuck up. And it was like it's what two point one million views on your Instagram now. Uh, I just haven't checked for a while. All right, <laughs> I, I, I checked a couple of days ago. We'll yeah. fucking go with we'll that. Go with that. Uh, yeah. And and it got shared by uh, like it got shared by Zach Bryan, which is a huge fucking uh, like that's really big. But then on top of that, you have like major music media outlets talking about this clip because it's getting shared by so many people what what does that kind of do when you're uh, a year into taking it 100 percent? where you're like this is what i'm committing to what does that do to your mindset in terms of not just your artistry but how do you approach the business moving forward when you when you have a moment that is so big like that yeah it's been it's definitely been a roller coaster that's been um obviously occupying my brain those questions (laughs) a lot um yeah when it when it first happened it it felt like I was under the gun that I need to act now and you know do something fast to to maximize on that um uh, crazy good thing happening but um I'm really right now I'm trying to make just take take a step back and just make sure the decisions that I'm making are serving the long term mm-hmm. of my career. I'm I'm a long game girl, and I know that, you know, it's. I just want to make make the right decisions and feel really good about what I put out for music when I put it out, and yeah, make sure I build the right team. And yeah, nice. no, that's a really good way of going about it because I think that a lot of times when people have that, uh, especially in this day and age with a moment of virality, you know, mm-hmm. like yeah, I think I think. 30 years ago, it was different. If you had a single that fucking blew up all of a sudden, you're in a different place than if you have a, a, a viral clip, right? Because yeah. a viral clip, everyone expects that, oh, the next day you're going to release something that's going to be just as good on TikTok. And it's like, yeah. shit takes time, you know? Yeah. Uh, so I, I I appreciate that you're taking that time with it. But I also think um, now my next question is because of that sort of uh, virality, have you had opportunities come up uh that have been like you know from you know quote unquote gatekeepers of like the industry you know like Mm -hmm. when it comes from like record labels or managers or or anything like that or has it been a lot of people that have just been like other artists offering advice um it's been a mix of both for sure i've definitely um yeah there's been lots of doors of opportunity that that have opened um after after the viral clip um sorry i'm okay yeah i i've definitely uh gained a lot of contacts through it and yeah there's been lots of great support from other artists and um yeah interest from from the industry it's been yeah it's been i like the way you put it about like looking at the long game there too it's like Mm -hmm. you want to not just surround people trying to tell people that want to capitalize on the yeah. You know, you want to you want to actually get genuine people who mm-hmm. generally genuinely support 
what you're doing. Like, you yeah, know, that's a really great way of yeah. looking at it because you can get people can get caught up in just like, this is my chance, this is my 15 minutes, let's yeah. pump out the yeah. most I can right now, you know. Yeah. So it's a good way of looking at it. It's a balanced way of looking at it. Yeah. yeah. Well, and longevity is just every time it's going to win over over yeah. in the moment, you know. There, yeah. There's so many people, like, I, I've seen it happen with a lot of comedians over the last few years because of TikTok blowing up. And so many comics will, like, have a couple of clips blow up and then they're focused so hard on getting that next viral hit. And mm-hmm. you see the rest of their art, though, just dipping. And so it's like you have to you have to find that balance and i think like you not worrying about that as much is fucking the way to go about it like i think that that's the way to go about it is to not go oh i need to be on the front page of everyone's social media every day you know like uh because that's not sustainable and 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 uh yeah so then that kind of leads into my next question though um have you because i i when i saw you at the ironwood a couple of weeks ago and when i saw you you know six months ago you've obviously in like made a much thicker catalog of songs than you had six months ago like it seems like you've got you've got a lot in your uh in your set list that you can pull from um and you have a lot of songs that are written but you don't have anything uh recorded yet that's not through like podcasts or youtube videos or something um is there a plan to record anything in the next couple of months or a year or something yeah i'm definitely i'm hoping to get into the studio this winter nice and uh do a do an ep project probably but yeah the plans are all up in the air and it's a little bit yeah a little bit secret right now but there's music coming out so the wheels keep, are keep your yeah, the yeah. wheels are turning everybody don't so don't spill your, your secrets it's so yeah. much more fun too when keep you just drop shit ground. that's that's all i will say yeah. yeah i i would i would honestly just like uh, uh, as another artist uh like in a different stream but like keep your mm-hmm. secrets to yourself like tell mm-hmm. your close friends but like it's so much fun to drop shit and then have people go what the fuck where did that come from <laughs> that was happening fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah. um okay so last question that i want to ask is uh uh do you have any dates coming up that you want to promote uh this is coming mm-hmm. out next wednesday so okay yeah um that thursday we have our uh, Canada, the AUS program is having a showcase of all the artists at the King Eddie nice. in Calgary. And then, yeah, I'm hoping to get going on my recording plans in December, January. So I'm a little bit late on dates, but there's, there's some stuff in the works, but that's the main show. Awesome. Well, where can people find you? What's your, what's your you can, socials? You can find me on all the social platforms yeah. at, Nolene Hoffman. That's my at for everything. Nice. Fuck yeah. Get the yeah. get that OG one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right. Well, I will uh, add all of those tags below. So wherever you're listening to this, you can find Nolene through that. Um, and uh, yeah, thank you so much oh, for coming on today. Thank you so much for having me. It was, was a lot yeah, of fun. It was yeah. a lot of fun. Um, before we go, uh, I need to plug uh, 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 Los like Angeles, it. California. Yeah. I'm going to be at the Ice House in Pasadena on December 14th as part of the Los Angeles Comedy Festival. Please come out. I'm excited. I think it's going to be fun. The doohickeys are coming. Nice. Uh, I'm really excited about that. The doohickeys are a cheeky country group from LA that we had on the podcast before. Really fun people. Um, Yeah, I'm really excited about it. It's going to be my first time performing in America. So let's go. Um, Uh, One more thing too. Yeah, shout out to Amazon and Acast. Yeah. We're on the front page. 
of Amazon Music today, so that was pretty cool. Yeah, that was that was a cool thing to wake up to. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. shout out to them and to uh, uh, play more podcasts for s- supporting that whole uh, endeavor between those two brands. And uh, yeah, if you want to uh, follow No Lean, we have all of the links below. Uh, follow us as well. Give us uh, five stars and then just shit on us in the comments. Yes, we don't please. care. <laughs> uh, and uh, yeah, thank you so much for listening. Anal yeah. contusions. <laughs>